0: Welcome to this first edition of Community Conversations, a new podcast series from Crime Stoppers. I'm Richard Myron. In this program and others in this series, we're hearing about and discussing the issue of knife crime. We've come to Swansea for this first edition of the podcast to understand the situation in South Wales. What's fueling the rise in knife crime here? What effect is it having upon the community? And what can be done to combat it? The statistics for knife crime have been climbing steadily in the past few years. And in South Wales, they've doubled in the space of eight years. The rate of increase has fortunately slowed. But of course, that's no comfort in considering those affected by knives. One of the factors that's been cited as a cause is county lines that is, gangs operating across county boundaries to sell drugs. I've been out in Swansea seeing how the presence of county lines has affected and had an impact upon this city. I've just arrived in Swansea in South Wales. It's a cold day here. I've come to the station to meet Detective Inspector Paul Stanley of the British Transport Police who is going to tell me about what the situation here is with county lines. Now, Paul, thanks for meeting me. First of all, how do you see the direct link
1: between county lines and knife crime? People involved in county lines carry knives. They do so for a number of reasons. Firstly, for their own protection. Secondly, to protect what they're carrying. And thirdly, to threaten or take over territory when they arrive. And
0: what specifically are you detecting in the British Transport Police in terms of the, the presence
1: of these knives? On the railways, we have seen an increase in knife crime, but a lot of that's actually been driven by our efforts to detect it. Most of our recorded knife crimes are us finding weapons on people that we stop through our anti-county lines activity. We quite often run knife arch operations here at Swansea Railway Station. We use drugs and sniffer dogs and plain clothes officers. We don't routinely deploy knife arches. They're... Um, brought out for operations sometimes on the basis of intelligence and sometimes we like to use them as an engagement tool or to provide a deterrent. If you don't know that we're going to be running an operation on any given day then you can't travel safely with a knife and if someone chooses to travel without that knife well that makes the railway a safer place so our operation's been successful.
0: So Paul thank you very much. I'm now going to head out of the station and meet someone who is going to show me the area around here and some of the problems that have happened as a consequence of the county lines that you've been talking about. Ella, just introduce yourself, if you would.
2: Yes, I'm Ella Rabiotti, and I am the National Manager for Crime Stoppers for Wales.
0: OK, Ella, we've just been hearing inside from the British Transport Police about the growing presence of county lines... You, from the perspective of Crime Stoppers, have also noted this, haven't you?
2: Yes. It's not new. It's something that's been coming over the last few years or so. There's quite a big drugs market, a big demand for drugs, really, in the city and surrounding areas of Swansea.
0: You're going to take me, I gather, to see some of the areas where more vulnerable parts of the community live and some of the consequences um, of the importation of drugs into this area and, and also about knife crime. Should we head off? Yeah, yeah. We're in an area not that far from the train station where we just met. Got railway arches to my right and to my left a number of buildings. Where are we?
2: So we're in the strands and behind the train station and you can see there's a number of hostels which house um, homeless people, transient people, those who you know are living in chaotic transient lifestyle. We do, sadly, in Swansea have a high homeless population, and I think that is is related to the drugs market as well.
0: Now, you were saying how there has been, of course, this influx of drugs into Swansea as a consequence of the county lines. What are you seeing in terms of its effect upon crime and the types of crime that are going on around this area?
2: There's certainly been a recognition that there's a growing worry around the use of knives a knife crime and although we haven't seen perhaps in other cities where you've seen a lot of knife attacks or visible things all happen on the streets there's a worry there's an undercurrent of drug gang members potentially carrying knives and the knock-on effects that's having
0: so the focus of your work is to try and get these knives off the streets before they can cause the kind of injuries and deaths that we've seen elsewhere
2: yeah, I think it's a two pronged approach. So the police are stopping and searching. They're trying to take the knives off the streets. But through Crime Stoppers, we're educating the public. We're encouraging people to speak up and report about knife crime anonymously. And then through our fearless youth work, we're trying to educate young people and talk to them around the myths that they may be safer if they carry a knife, but actually, if they carry it, they're even more likely to get hurt themselves.
0: Ella Rabayotti from Crime Stoppers, thank you. Thank you. So there we heard a vivid explanation of, of what's going on in Swansea. And to hear more about this community, I'm joined by three panellists. Alistair Smith, who is a senior youth worker for Fearless, which is part of Crime Stoppers and addresses young people. Alistair was for 25 years a police officer in this town. Also joining us is Carly Torlop, who is a youth worker and team leader at the YMCA. She works with young people in and around this city. And I'm joined by Jack, who is 21 years old and has very direct experience of the impact of both drugs and violence in this town. We're also recording this in front of a specially invited audience, and we are welcoming their comments and questions throughout this podcast. Now, Alistair, let me start by asking you, as I I said in the introduction, you've had many years of experience here. What's changed here in Swansea in recent years?
1: I don't think it's a straightforward, I've got a straightforward answer. Looking at from when I first became a police officer many, many, many years ago, things were slightly different. People's perceptions of what is okay, what they feel is acceptable. And the type of crime and behaviour that people seem to think is, it's okay, it's normal, that's that's, that's what happens. Uh, That's the way life is. It it just seems to have evolved and changed as, as time has gone. And I would certainly say that there is a bigger impact on not just Swansea, but across the UK, of drugs and violent crime.
0: You said to me earlier... Swansea we used to have car crime there wasn't so much of of knives in the way in which we've seen it so there's clearly been something which has changed in this town.
1: A lot of it my experience is drug related because of things like county lines gangs and the easy access to drugs it's changing people's attitudes with the people Selling drugs, buying drugs, particularly the people who are running the drugs for the County lines gangs. there is more. seems to be more a need for them to carry weapons, which in turn is feeding violent crime because they're looking at protecting the drugs and the money that they've got. And it just seems to be spilling over into the, the younger generation where they're all feeling affected by it, either from fear, carrying weapons for safety, or just being involved in drug criminality. Carly
0: you work with young people in Swansea some of whom are are quite vulnerable how are you seeing the impact of county lines upon these people what's it doing as it were to those you interact with?
3: I've been a youth worker now working in different areas of Swansea for about 11-12 years and it's definitely not like what it used to be when I first started youth work young people were out on the street they were you know playing games they were able to you know just hang around street corners and they were you know they would engage in youth clubs and what we're seeing now over the past two three years I would say is when we're doing outreach as an organization the young people are just they're not there and if they are there they're not wanting to engage because they don't want to be seen and they and they want to be hidden there seems to be within Swansea a lot of unknown young people that are not engaged within organisations and so these types of young people are not even signing on at the job centre because they have no need to sign on at the job centre because they've already got a source of income. So 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 you're
0: suggesting that there are people who are not in contact with those who can help them because they're getting money from elsewhere, maybe illegal sources... And that's obviously a great source of concern for you.
3: Yeah and for them they you know it's, it's normalised and they don't see it as an issue because it is a lifestyle that they are maybe used to or they've been brought up in or they've, they've been in a position where they've had to choose that because of situations that have happened to them and they've had no control over. We are up against a lot I think and so as a youth worker sometimes we are lucky to have a young person that's willing to engage and we're, we're able to steer them on the right path and sometimes it's just kind of it's prevention and intervention,
0: Jack, you were nodding your head there as you were hearing some descriptions made by alistair and carly you're you're twenty one years old you've lived in Swansea for ten years you're, you you yeah. come from from not that far
4: not that far no, okay, so tell us about your experience. I got kicked out when I was sixteen years old, like forced out onto the street, not from that sort of lifestyle at all. come from a good family. I just made stupid decisions and then got forced out onto the street. And then I've had to adapt my way of living and my lifestyle and the way I think, so I'm able to survive out there. I've got friends who have died because of knife crime. I've got friends who are in jail because of knife crime. i got friends who are in jail because of drugs, who are dead because of drugs. When I first moved to Swansea, I was oblivious to all of this. I was oblivious to everything, like all of this sort of crime, didn't hear about it? I moved to Swansea and then it's just gone up in the past few years. As I've been exposed to it all, it's just, it's just shot up because I've, I can see it happening and I can see it increasing because I've been there. Do people you know hold knives, have knives? Of- yeah. People I know carry knives because because they're selling drugs and they don't want to get robbed or they owe people money and they don't want to get stabbed themselves or... Do you know what I mean? They're just scared because you don't know what's going to happen these days. Like, I know people who are carrying knives just for the sake of having one on them, just in case. Just in case something happens. If you're on your own on the street, that's it. You're on your own, like, do you know what I mean? Swansea ain't a place where you've got people to back you or people to help you. When you're out there on the street, that's it, like, that's it. You live here. I mean, are you afraid? I used to be. After seeing it all, it doesn't faze me anymore. i got two little brothers, like, do you know what I mean? I've come out on the good side of all of this, thank God. But I can't be scared for them So, I mean, if I'm scared and if they see that fear, then it's going to put fear into them and then might force them to carry knives as they grow up. They need to see that I'm strong and that they need to be strong and that they can look after themselves in this world without knives and stuff.
0: Amongst the people you know, do you see the presence of knives and drugs spreading or do you think that... (laughs) Somehow or other, what's happened is, is a warning to people, or is it is it just?
4: It all depends on what sort of situation you're in. It all depends on what sort of drugs are involved, what sort of people are involved. Because with drugs come certain types of people. With certain drugs come certain types of people. With the dealers, with the users, with the people who are supplying it, with the people who are making it. It's all it's all different. Alistair, we've
0: got a very vivid and, and quite frightening picture there of, of Jack's experience. Um, how does that resonate with what you're hearing and seeing amongst the young people that you're interacting with?
1: I would agree with uh, everything he said there, looking at the way attitudes have changed and the ac- accessibility to drugs, what with the County Alliance gangs not just being there to supply them but pushing them out there and making them available in all sorts of areas of the community. Looking at the people, the, the runners who are, who are moving the drugs around, their protection, knives on them for their protection. They've got to protect their property. And then you've got the youngsters that I'm certainly speaking to in the school. There is a change in attitude with relation to possession of weapons. Um, there is a certain percentage that certainly say that, well, they don't see anything wrong with it. Because you need to protect yourself. Looking at some of the statistics and the figures for sort of Wales in general, possession of weapons has risen. I think nationally it's gone up by about 24%. In Wales, we've got a problem with possession more than anything. But then you've got cities like Cardiff and Swansea, which have got their own problems with violence surrounding knife crimes and things like that and that's where other organisations and institutions need to help and tackle it. The police are certainly doing their bit with Operation Sceptre and sort of things like that and it's for organisations like Fearless and Crime Stoppers and the YMCA to try and get the people and sort of help educate them about the dangers of it.
0: it. Is one particular aspect here of county lines and the prevalence of knives also the age that it's, it's targeting young people who are as you say the couriers or maybe those selling selling drugs and that young people therefore are holding knives and maybe they don't realize just the lethality of a knife and and what they're involved in
1: yes looking at the age range where people are being drawn into county lines the primary group that seems to be being targeted is between 15 and 17 they are the ones that are getting involved with running the drugs about moving it here and there because for The organised crime gangs, they see these people as part of their commodity. People can generate up to £5,000 a week selling drugs for them, but they don't care about them because these people are expendable. They're just people who are moving the drugs. And as a person that is selling the drugs or looking after them, they need to protect them because if they lose them, they become victims of violence themselves.
0: Carly, I know that you're passionate about trying to educate, trying to draw people away from some of the temptations and and the dangers that are out there. When you hear about the lure of this, the lure of the money and inverted commas, some of the glamour that kids think goes with that, how difficult is it for you to do your job when faced with that?
3: Extremely difficult. We spoke earlier a little bit about young people are a target when they have certain vulnerabilities and there's a lot that makes a young person vulnerable or, or a person in general vulnerable. And I think one of those things that can make you vulnerable is if you come from a family who's experiencing poverty and if you've got a mum who can't put food on the table or a guardian who can't put food on the table and you've got a son or a daughter who's coming home at 14 and they're in food on the table and you've got a two-year-old son to also feed, you know, is that mum going to question it? And so then when you've got a youth worker in the background going, you know, let's try and put you onto a course or let's, come, let's sit down and kind of talk about your experiences. And they don't want to know. They're just worried about feeding their family. And, you know, that kind of responsibility at the age of 14 is a lot. And the last thing they want to do is think about having a conversation with their youth worker. And so you are up against it almost immediately.
0: Jack, when you were involved in drugs, yeah. the messages that you were getting from people like Carly, were you willing to listen? I mean, at I what first... point At what point did kind of you turn around and say, I think I need,
4: I need to listen? It got to a point where my addiction was making me physically ill and I was in hospital because of my addiction. And that's when I realised like I needed to sort it out because I got little brothers, do you know what I mean? I got a little sister, they are all look up to me. So I need to sort it out before I end up dead, like some of my friends, do you know what I mean? So... At first, I didn't. I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know. At first, I was coming down here just so I would have a meal a day.
0: Coming down here to the YMC Yeah,
4: just to have a meal a day, like because I was spending all my money on drugs and it got out of control. It spiraled. But then after I started coming down here, then I like, started seeing they were trying to help me. And that. we've talked about people coming in from outside of Swansea yeah. and selling drugs. Did you
0: see anything like that?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got offered multiple times by multiple different people. Like, they'll walk up to you with a wad of cash in their hand and just say to you, oh, let me stay in your flat for three weeks, give you money, give you your drugs every day, do you know what I mean? They've gone after three weeks then. You don't see them again. When you're addicted to drugs and when you're living in poverty and somebody's coming up to you with wads of cash or the drugs that you're addicted to and saying, look, all you have to do is let me sit in your flat, it's it's a game-changer for an addict.
0: Now we have questions from our audience. First of all, if you could just introduce yourself.
2: Thank you. My name's Anne-Marie Rogan. I'm the um, Chief Executive of YMCA Swansea. And I've been moved by what I've heard here this afternoon. And this is what we do every day. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to be able to absorb this and think about it in terms of how can we find a solution for this. And I think that's that's what I really want to ask the panel how can third sector organisations and the community come together to find a solution for this? What can we do to help?
0: anne Very, a very direct question. It's a huge problem and there are limited resources. But let me start, Alistair.
1: I think looking at what is already in place, I certainly know that the government is... There are loads of strategies that they're looking at for dealing with various different aspects of violent crime. Drugs, youth violence, and and sort of things like that. But I think a lot of the time, some of the things that need to be done should be done on more of a local level, whereas things can happen nationally, maybe the impact for London, the metropolitan area, it might be effective up there. But when you come down to somewhere like South Wales and down to Swansea, where you've got the demographics totally different and the type of behaviour that we're seeing... So what are the particularities? What, what's particular then about
0: how you would deal with the problem of drugs and knife
1: crime here in Swansea? <laughs> oh, I wish I had the answer to that question, I can tell you. It is a difficult subject to, to deal with. We can all go out, we can talk ab- about it, we can try and educate people to try and make them see the dangers of becoming involved in it, give them warning signs about the indicators of what is happening around them, the issues that people will face if they get involved with it and how it, it affects the community. Because people just see drug addicts as... Drug addicts, it's nothing to do with them. People are carrying knives. It's only the kids carrying knives. But they don't realise the fallout from all that, how the community is affected by, say, a person's house being taken over for dealing drugs for a short period of time. Like,
0: like we were hearing about... Yeah, like we were hearing from Jack. The
1: impact it has on that individual... And the impact it has on the area itself where you will get an increase of antisocial behaviour. You will get an increase of a different type of person coming into the area. You will get an increase of drugs litter in the area. It'll then start to become a place where oh, I don't fancy going down there. I'll cross the road, I'll go go a different way. And that has an impact on the way the community feels about it. And it, it just spreads out. To the whole community. It's from a simple thing as somebody starting to sell drugs from a particular location. So you can see that the
0: negative effi- effects quite quickly. Now, Carly, let me turn that question that we got from Anne Marie to you.
3: It comes down to this, in my opinion, that a charity is not going to tackle it by itself. The police are not going to tackle this problem by themselves. The private sector are not going to tackle this by themselves. And we can all try, but we may as well not unless we're working together. You know, we need to put our expertise into kind of tackling this problem together. But then you've got the government going... Maybe looking at where this needs to be solved on a higher platform because, unless we've got support of you know parliament and government, then you know it comes down to funding for charities, you know. But then, when you look at what is the priority in government at the moment, you've got employability, so it's about putting young people into jobs. Well, then shouldn't this be number one priority because those young people are not wanting to get into jobs because there's things first that they that they need to tackle and so I think what they need to be doing is looking at youth work as prevention rather than intervention and I think that's what it boils, boils down to for me is that youth work is now being used to put young people into employability but then in the background you've got all these young people that are so far away from thinking about going to work and there's no one that's tackling in those types of issues and so the importance for me is that youth work has become something that that it isn't you know youth work is about working with young people and steering them into the right pathways and also helping them develop into mature adults so they can lead independent lives you know we're not crisis management trained we are helping young people to grow up rather than to fix their lives
0: jack is there anything you've heard here which you think yeah you know that would work or is it is it just you know to be honest
4: bit... all of it all of it is very very valid but what i think personally is you need to find out what the youth want you need to find out personally from them what can we do to help you what activities would you like to do what sort of youth clubs what sort of interests have you got so we can try and draw them in half them out there they ain't gonna do nothing for you unless you're doing something for them unless you've got something for them and that's the way they all think these days and like, i was coming down here because i was having a meal a day come down volunteer over feed you sound i was here i was an addict I, I wasn't eating otherwise but if you've got someone
0: out there the presence of lots of money the presence of, of drugs yeah and the threat also of knives yeah can what let's say alistair and carly are offering can that
4: can that can that overcome the temptations and the dangers of what of, of what's out there Depends what well, things you've got in place for them to come away from that. Because if they're coming away from that and coming down here and there's nothing for them to do, they're going to want to go back and do something with themselves. You know what I mean? Like, when there's activities, when there's stuff that interests them, then they're willing to come down and get involved then. Like, when I was volunteering here, oh, it was brilliant. I loved it. Loved it. They had activities. they done the garden just opposite the building now. I went out on a boat down the Gower and seen dolphins and stuff like that. It was just really, really good. Things would make me feel good during the day, and then I'd go home and feel a lot better about myself.
0: Now we have another question...
5: Yeah, hi, I'm Gemma Wolfe. I'm the Serious Violence Prevention Coordinator for the South Wales Police and Crime Commissioner. And they're more observations than que- questions, I guess. So, first of all, obviously, historically, I think it's been seen as very much a policing issue, but I think particularly in South Wales, we move forward massively now. partners are working together to tackle some of these issues. I do recognise you've got some way to go with that as well and working together. I think part of the issue is that there's short term funding being given to solve long term problems, and that's always going to be a massive issue. But I think the more we can kind of pool resource and maximise resources, together, we can work against some of that. I think part of the solution is to work together to understand the current drug markets, drug users, the associated vulnerabilities, and our drug treatment services currently fit for purpose. I think that's a massive issue. We know that county lines to use violence obviously the key driver is drugs, and I think particularly in Swansea we are seeing that escalating um, locally. I think the policing element is vital like with OPSEPTA and that enforcement and, and Can destructive... Can you tell us about
0: Operation SEPTA?
5: So that's kind of dedicated resource, particularly in Swansea and Cardiff, where we know county lines issues are escalating more prevalently than other areas in South Wales, but it's a dedicated force looking at intelligence sources and targeting certain areas, certain properties, certain drug gangs, and taking away their drugs, their money, and doing some dedicated work around that. That is really important There's a place for that, but I think we need the early intervention and prevention work to work alongside policing and to intervene at a much earlier point in these young people and vulnerable people's lives than maybe we have done
6: in the past.
0: Before we come to the panel for a response, there's another question there. If you could just uh, identify yourself, please.
6: Hi, I'm uh, Ross Williams. I work for Coastal Housing. Like Jem, I had a couple of observations before that. I think what we're hearing from the panel is a bit of a perfect storm as well, coming from you know an increase in knife crime, which has come from an increase in poverty in these communities that we're talking about, particularly in areas of, of Swansea and other cities and there are people who are capitalising from that poverty in communities. You've got cuts to the third sector where charities and organisations such as the one we're hosted in today in YMCA Swansea are fighting over pots of money with others, which make it very, very difficult, and resources go into to that space when they could be better spent. I just wanted to pick up on Jack's point. I think the with that perfect storm comes just a complete collapse in aspirations for young people in community. And I think Jack makes the very important point that if you want to understand what young people want, ask them, because that's where you get buy in from people, that's where you continue to engage with people and that's where effects are seen on other organizations like the police have reduced reduced reoffending. I work in a housing association where there's then reduced evictions and less community issues, less antisocial behaviour, and those communities can be a place where people are proud, not where they feel they feel threatened if they walk down the street.
0: Okay, thank you, Ross. I, I want to pick up on one point that was made by Gemma about policing. Now Alister, uh, Alistair you have both been a police officer and now you work with with youth in in fearless and educating young people. There is this view that young people now don't want to engage with the police. We've heard also about an anti-snitching culture and so on. How difficult is it in this environment for the police to do their job, where they may be seen to be,
1: by young people, maybe the enemy or a threat? that's a complicated question but the snitching issue that's a big thing with with youngsters at the moment whenever i go into schools youth clubs whatever and i'm talking to them about reasons why young people aren't reporting crimes and sort of things like that snitching is one of the biggest terms that comes up because the term they use is snitches get stitches so there's a fear element it's all about for them not being a grass because you don't grass on your mates and not reporting on somebody that's done something wrong for fear of retribution, because they may be reporting on a total stranger, or it could be somebody quite close to home. So there's there's lots of issues around the fear of reporting crimes. Again, when you look at issues with the police, there has always been a little bit of animosity from the younger generation to the establishment, if you like. Media, again, have an impact on that as well, how people react to the police, especially younger people, because the media will always report things about... The misdemeanors the police officers may have been, uh, may have taken. The person has been excessive in their violence or maybe used a taser to take somebody down who appears to be possibly a vulnerable person or they've used excessive force because perception that's put across is that they're always being excessive and I'll always say you never hear about the good stuff about the officer that's talked somebody down off a roof or the officer that's pulled a six-month-old child out of a burning car and things like that. So there's a perception that in my own experience and personal, is that sometimes the media are are, are to blame towards that ill feeling towards the police.
0: Jack, what was your experience of the police and your perception of the police when you were going through the experiences that you described earlier?
4: My auntie, she was a police officer and my great-uncle was a police officer. So I've got police force background in my family, like, and they've always been good to me. At the end of the day... If you're doing wrong, they're going to point you out on that. If you're doing illegal stuff, they're going to point you out on that. There's nothing you can do about it. If they're trying to help you and steer you in the right direction, don't chuck it back in their face, don't disrespect them, don't speak to them like a piece of chewing gum on the floor. Like, like If they're telling you off, it's because they want the best for you. If they're arresting you, it's because they don't want you going out and doing something else that could get you killed or put in jails because they want you in a cell for 24 hours if you do have a little thing, sort your head out and crack on then and the police with me they've always been sound and I've been sound with them OK, yes we have a question over there.
2: Hello, um, my name's Karen Ogborn, I'm from Crime Stoppers. there's a lot of passion for this issue in the room, people are really determined to make a difference and that's amazing to hear and to kind of feel a part of and I was just wondering how we get that Determination and um, drive to do something out into the wider community. You
1: need to do
4: what drug dealers do. You need to sell it. You need to sell it. You want to make it wantable. Do you know what I mean? Like if there's services you're know, chucking out there on a, on a flyer and that, not everybody's going to see that flyer. Do you know what I mean? You want to sell it. You want to make them want it. And then once they want it, and once they try it once, they're going to want it again. It's exactly like what's happening out on the streets. If they've f- feel like they're getting help, they're going to want to keep getting the help. So, Thanks, Jack. Uh, <laughs>
0: <Sorry>. <laughs> no, that was great. That was, I, a, I, I, that was I, a great
4: I, insight. I didn't know how else to put it, to be honest. <laughs> Carly, isn't
0: there a danger that... Alistair also referred to this earlier, that people don't want to know. It's a problem. It's someone else's problem. It's the problem of people living down near the station, not out in the suburbs. They, they don't want to know. How can you get people to really engage with this issue of both drugs and knives and to really care about it.
3: Well, I think this is a, is a great start to begin with, You know, doing this type of podcast where it's going to kind of get a lot of people listening and a lot of people interested into the topic and also having the opinion of young people who are living it and breathing it and have had those raw experiences... That could be, it becomes real, it becomes um, and it can't, we can't hide it anymore. And I think people hide away from it because they don't necessarily see it, or they're not involved in it, or they don't experience it, and it becomes then like a non-issue. So I think just working with organisations such as Crime Stoppers, who are obviously you know an organisation set up to be tackling stuff like this, um, and fearless the project, then just kind of being out there, being in schools like Alistair is, being in schools, being in youth groups, being out there, just being in organisations and just kind of spreading the words and saying look, everyone listen, it is an issue and what are we going to do about it and I think just having community conversations like we are today.
0: We have a question at the back there.
7: Hi, uh, my name's Gavin Early, I'm the Director of uh, Inspire Training so we deliver uh, alternative programmes for 16 to 19 year olds we re-engage the disengaged so possibly those who didn't go to school or didn't like school. So picking up on Jack's point what we try and do is offer uh, school leavers something that's a bit different to what the colleges offer it's a bit more personal it's a bit more individual to the learner we started off doing sports fitness and outdoor pursuits so we were trying to engage these young learners to offer them activities like jack was saying you know jumping off the cliffs into water being part of a team doing uh, tag rugby maybe doing a football competition And in the last 18 months, we've had great success. We've gone from 30 learners up to nearly 160. And then we're working with different organisations throughout Swansea to offer different activities. Jack, I think you're quite inspirational the way you've been talking today. And I'm sure everybody would agree with me in that respect. I've written your name down because what I would like is for you to come in and speak with some of my young people who I suspect may be slipping into this category of being vulnerable been approached by county lines I think g-
4: I'll come and give the red a wobble. That's
7: fantastic because it's gotta be recognised by government yeah. that it's you as the young people we need on board with us yeah. and not as oldies dictating our opinions.
0: Gavin what what more do you need to do what you're doing to reach out to as many young people as possible
7: it's like what carly said as well government funded is steered towards outcomes unfortunately and you know i think we can all agree towards that but it's got to be a softer approach or a different pot of money where we can utilize where it's not about hard outcomes it's about the softer outcomes so it'd be, wouldn't it be great to have a part of funding to work with young people like Jack where we can employ them or pay them for their time to come around to different youth centres or organisations like ourselves to give talks about his experiences, his pitfalls and what he wants next and what we could have done for when he was 16 to prevent him going down this lifestyle. And unfortunately it wasn't until, he, as he said, he was at the... Depth of his addiction in hospital, and then it was. But can't we do something to prevent that now? And Swansea is changing. Unfortunately, uh, there's there's areas of Swansea I feel uncomfortable walking through, even walking through the city centre. We've all seen it; it's declined. I've got young children, three and one. I won't bring my children into Swansea in the push because I don't know what I'm going to confront. It's unfortunate because I'm proud of Swansea, but unfortunately, I do feel we need to do something before it gets too late.
0: Okay, thank you. We're running out of time, but I want to get a. Quick, last few words from our panellists. Alistair, what hope do you have that the situation in Swansea will improve or or what are your fears that it could could worsen?
1: Hope that it will improve, yes, definitely. Usually before it gets better, it gets worse. I'm just hoping that all the organisations that are out there are getting enough funding and that they can do what they need to do to get into the schools, the youth clubs, wherever there are people that need help. And just maybe lift their expectations a bit, educate them of the dangers that are out there and help prevent them getting caught up in the first place. Thank you. Carly?
3: In regards to the work that I think YMC Swans are going to be doing is, you know, we're going to be doing what we ought, we're, we've we always been doing is working with young people from 11 plus and kind of carrying on to doing that preventative work and making sure that people, young people don't fall through the gaps um, and they don't get missed, you know, and that we catch them before they get homeless or before they become too vulnerable. We're also kind of still working with young people who need intervention and need that support and come to us when they've got a crisis, because there's always going to be those young people, and we're never going to be able to fill all the gaps. But I think it's just about doing what we can. We had some training from Crime Stoppers going back two, three weeks ago, and it was only half a day, but it had a massive impact, and just that half-a-day training kind of underpinned a lot of the experiences that I had had that I didn't know that I'd had with young people um, and so just having that training going around different youth provision and going around you know police other police officers or get just getting out there and getting in people's faces and getting them knowing what the signs are so you know for me that was critical it is vital that as Professionals, working with young people, we should be able to pick up on the vital signs that a young person is perhaps involved with knife crime, street violence, or county lines and drugs.
0: Okay, Carly, thank you. Jack, your hopes and your fears? My hopes
4: is that it doesn't get any worse. This gonna, This gonna, but yeah, I hope it doesn't. I just hope but I can do right now by myself for my little brothers and for my family just to help them, like, just so they can see that I am trying to sort my head out and that I am being a better person. My hopes is that I set an example for other people to follow, for my little brother's friends to follow. I want to catch them while they're young, so it doesn't so they're not getting to my age and they've been through the same stuff I have.
0: Thank you to all our panel. Thank you also to our invited audience and their comments and their participation. It's been a very, very illuminating discussion. This podcast has been made for Crime Stoppers by Earshot Strategies. I'm Richard Myron, and the producer is Anouk Mier. Crime
2: Crimestoppers is an independent charity that gives people the power to speak up to stop crime 100% anonymously. If you have information on a crime, you can contact Crime Stoppers by phone and online 24/7, 365 days a year. Just call 0800 555 111 or visit crimestoppers-uk.org.